This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, breaking down the latest in reality TV and pop culture. It's been another one of those weeks where I'm just womp womping around. Like, I'm so tired. I'm extra bloated. I haven't had a crumble cookie in like six days. So I'm starting to lose my mind a little bit. But, you know, this is the safe space. This is what I look forward to every single week. It kind of gets me out of any funk that I may or may not be in. I hope it's the same for you. I hope you've had a fantastic week. I was afraid that this was going to happen. And this is what happened. We had such a a whirlwind of a week. Like what even happened in the world of pop culture last week? I felt like we were in a vortex, some type of parallel universe where it was something new every day. And then this week was crickets, literal crickets. But of course we have gathered the biggest and the best moments. We have bachelor nation news. We have Bravo news. We have the gossip girls at the golden Globes. So let's get into it. The pop three. Let's start with Katie Thurston and Blake Moynes. Last week, things were looking suspicious. Um, a lot of fans thought that Katie Thurston was hanging out with her final rose pick her ex-fiance Blake Moynes because of some cryptic Instagram posts. So Blake posted a picture of himself in Miami Dolphins gear. He was like, I'm down in Miami to see the Dolphins with NFL Canada. You know, it was a whole thing. And then not long after that, Katie Thurston posted an Instagram story of her watching the Miami Dolphins game with a man in a bright blue hoodie, a black hat. You know, you can't see his face, but the back of his head looked a lot like Blake Moynes. I mean, people were freaking out. We were analyzing like the hair to ear ratio. We were like... What level clippers does Blake use? What level clippers does this guy use? Like, we were freaking out because we're insane. I've already told you, Bachelor Nation, we need help. Um, but then some people were, okay, because people obviously thought, oh, my God, Katie is with Blake. They're watching the Miami game. But then people were like, no, Blake is at the Miami game. But... That's where you're wrong because Eagle Eye fans noticed that the game that was on the TV in the background was from the previous week. Dun, dun, dun. Like the plot thickens. So people were spiraling. We were spiraling left and right thinking, oh my God, two weeks ago, Katie and Blake were watching the Miami game together. And now this week, Blake is at the Miami game. It's like, what are the chances the two guys that like the Miami Dolphins are with Katie Thurston, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things. People were freaking out over it. So not to mention, Katie's been dropping some hints lately that she's 
fallen in love, catching feelings. She was on an airplane. I saw, I just saw this Instagram story briefly, but she was on an airplane and it said something like catching feelings. We're like, Oh, okay. Our girl, she's getting back out there. She's dating somebody, but we don't know who it is. We saw Katie and Blake reconcile on paradise. But to me, to me, the reconciliation on paradise had some romantic undertones. Katie kept giving him the, the Bambi eyes. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see she would look down and then she'd look up, you know, like I was like, Oh, there's something still there. You know, they were like, we never got any closure. It kind of set Blake into a spiral. So like what's going on. But then of course, as I told you, we're all insane. So people started to um, analyze the TV stand. <laughs> we need help. We need help when we're analyzing TV stands. Although I'm grateful for it because we cracked the code. It's not Blake Moyne. So we got our panties all in a bunch for no reason. It ended up being this guy named Michael Lenoki, Lenochi. I'm sorry. I don't know who it is, but he has the same um, hair to ear ratio as Blake Moynes and also loves the Miami Dolphins. Um, he's a comedian. So maybe that's who Katie Thurston is seeing. Maybe. But like, I mean, like, what are the chances that she's going to date this guy that from the back looks exactly like Blake Moynes and also loves the Miami Dolphins? It was like the perfect storm. And normally I, I don't think it's this deep. I don't think she was like sitting there being like, oh, people are going to think this is Blake. So I'm going to post it to get people to talk about it. But even if that was the case here, I would be fine with it because it's like, that's genius. So do what you need to do. Get the engagement up, get the comments, get the views. I'm here for it, but it's apparently Michael Lenoki, who I don't know who that is. Lenoki. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm not up on the comedian game. I also just want to say that I still want a Blake Moynes bachelor season. Am I the only one? I know everybody right now is like, Jason, Jason. No, no. We need Blake. He's so interesting. I mean, he goes to South Africa to save the turtles. He goes all around the world saving the turtles. He's a great guy. I feel like he's gotten hotter. I feel like he's gotten the bachelor glow up as he's gone along season through season. Love the buzz cut. He's muscular. I'm here for it. Anywho, let's move on to headline number three. The Trace Amigas have broken up. So if you're not familiar, the Trace Amigas consist of Tamara Judge, Vicky Gumbelson, and Shannon Storms Bedore. They were all Real Housewives of Orange County. Currently, Tamara and Shannon are on the show. Vicky is not, but Vicky is the OG of the OC. She's made it pretty clear that she wants to come back to the show, but for some reason, it's not happening. So... They historically have been known as the Trace Amigas. They whoop it up. They like to have fun. They are a lot of fun, the three of them together. Viewers really like to see the three of them together, and they're no longer friends, which has sent the Bravo world into a tizzy. Now, I also will say this isn't the first time that the Trace Amigas um, have had a situation like this. So I feel like even though they say like, we're done, we're never going to be friends again, like give it a season and they'll probably be friends again. Um, but I'm going to explain the situation and explain where everybody is right now. So I first became aware of this friendship falling out when I saw Tamara posted a picture of herself on X that said, Uno, can we do a sidebar for a second? We're not calling it X, right? We're not. Like, I know that's technically the name now, but it's Twitter and I don't care that it's not technically Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. Okay. So she posted it on Twitter saying Uno, which people were like, uh oh, 
Uno, where's her dose and where's the trace? They're MIA. And then it started a lot of internet back and forth between the three of them. Shannon kind of stayed out of it. It was more Tamara and Vicky. Um, Vicky posted a picture of um, a live show that was happening with her and Shannon and was basically just taunting Tamara and Teddy, you know, saying uh, our show is going to be better than theirs, yada, yada, yada. So, um, it's the, the internet back and forth of it is too much for me to explain and it won't make sense unless you know the backstory. So I'm going to skip that. You can literally go on their Twitter or X pages and you can see what all they wrote. Um, I will say uh, one thing that Vicky was saying about Tamara is that she had no loyalty and that's important. So we'll get to that in a second because it could mean two different things. Um, so I listened to Two Teas in a Pod, which is Teddy and Tamara's podcast earlier this week. And Tamara's telling her side of the story. Now, obviously, this is just Tamara's side. But it's pretty much, in her opinion, a bad business deal mixed in with some Alexis Bellino stuff. Um, and I, it's like a bad business deal. But Tamara never wanted to be in on the business deal, which is why I'm using air quotes. But Essentially, what happened is the Trace Amigas had a live show. And after Shannon got her DUI, Tamara said she didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing the live show anymore. She didn't want to do them. She did one after the DUI. Um, and then she was like, nope, my gut feeling was right. I didn't really enjoy doing this. I don't want to do it. And then she left to do The Traders, which um, is coming out on Peacock. It's a great show. You should watch it. So while Tamara was filming The Traders, Vicky and Shannon got a tour manager. They filed an LLC. They're trying to take the Trace Amigas brand like to the next level. They wanted to do live shows every other weekend. Tamara comes back from filming the traders and she's like, you guys, I don't want to do any of this. I don't, I don't want to do the LLC. I don't want to do live shows every other weekend. I don't have time to do this. So she essentially bails. So that could be what Vicky is referring to when she says there's no loyalty kind of left her high and dry or left them high and dry, especially when you consider Tamara and Teddy do live shows. They're like all in on the podcast, but Tamara's in a contract right now, you know, with um, the podcast and the podcast company. So it's not like really in, in her control entirely. But what I think is more probable when it comes to the loyalty claim is that this is about Alexis Bellino. So I told you in another episode, it might have been a deep dive, so you can go back and listen to it. But long story short, Alexis Bellino was a former housewife in Orange County. Shannon dated a guy named John Jansen for three years. They had a really bad season last year. They broke up. And now John Jansen is dating Alexis Bellino. It's rumored that Alexis Bellino is coming back to Orange County this year. So as you can imagine, the drama that's going to ensue, especially because John's thing was that he didn't like the public life. He didn't like being in the spotlight. He didn't like all of their relationship dirty laundry airing out on national television, along with other problems that they had, um, you know, with a blended family and things like that. But the fact that he's now dating Alexis Bellino is kind of like, okay, John, like I roll. But... Tamara is friends with Alexis. And I don't, I, I mean, if I was Shannon, I wouldn't like that. Vicky to me kind of seems like she's going to ride or die for Shannon. In this moment, she's going to be loyal to Shannon and say, Tamara, you shouldn't be being friends with Alexis, who's now dating Shannon's ex. Um, there was a story out there that Tamara set Alexis and John up. Tamara says that not, that's not true. 
Um, she said, I'm not friends with John. I don't have his number. Haven't seen him or spoke to him since he was with Shannon. How is that breaking girl code? And then she says, for anyone who's giving me crap for making up with Lexus, I made up with her at BravoCon weeks before she even met John at The Quiet Woman and over a month before they went public as a couple. So if you're going to talk crap, get it right. So the interesting part of all this drama is that filming for Orange County starts next week. And like I said, Vicky has been pining to get her orange back. And so, you know, I love a conspiracy theory. I don't know if this is true, but like, it feels like it could be true. The Tamara's just trying to help her girl get back on the show. You know, especially if Alexis is coming back into the mix, Shannon is going to need an ally if it's not going to be Tamara. And like, who else is it going to be? It's not going to be Emily. It's not going to be Gina. It's not going to be Heather. It should be Vicky. So I like that little conspiracy theory. Like I said, I don't know how true it is. I guess we'll see. But I wouldn't put it past Tamara. Tamara is a reality TV mastermind. I mean, really. She, I mean, she really just, she knows what it takes to be a housewife and she will deliver at all costs. So we'll see where that goes. There's nothing like the feeling of being confident in your own skin. It's something that I have struggled with in the past, which is why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best with no complicated routines, no multiple step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. Right now, I'm using the OS1 Eye Topical Supplement to help strengthen and firm the skin around my eyes. So far, I've noticed it has improved hydration and improved firmness. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code POPTALKS at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code POPTALKS. After your purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support the show and tell them I sent you because I love you like a sis. Uh, last but certainly not least in our pop three, let's talk about the gossip girl at the Golden Globes. You know, you love me, XOXO, Taylor, Selena, and Kaylee. Internet frenzy over this viral moment at the Golden Globes, a little gossip sesh that went viral. Like I said, Selena Gomez, Taylor Swift, and Kaylee Sperry, they're in the thick of it. Oh, I saw that clip and I was like, what I would do to be in that gossip session. The head, the heads are bobbling. We got big nods. Eyes are really wide gasps. <gasps> I'm like, oh, this is juicy. And the lip readers came out of the woodwork on this one. Everyone was analyzed. What is Selena Gomez saying to Taylor Swift? What is Taylor saying in response? What is Kaylee saying in response? Everyone on the internet became an expert lip reader in five seconds. But here's what we thought Selena said. He didn't want a picture with me. He said no. And then Kaylee says, Timothy, meaning Timothy Chalamet, who was at the Golden Globes with Kylie Jenner. So Selena Gomez is responding in the comment section. And honestly, it's a mood for 2024. I'm over the reps. Tell People Magazine, a source tells Page Six. Nope. If you're a celebrity and you're watching this video, leave it in the comment section. For the people, by the people, we'll believe you more than what the rep says to People Magazine. But Selena says, no, I told Taylor about two of my friends who hooked up. Not that that's anyone's business. Here's the thing. Would they ever admit it? 
They would never. Imagine Selena Gomez went to the comment section of E! News and was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Can you believe Timothy would not take a picture with me because Kylie was right? They would never. Even if it was true, they would never. And you just can't convince me that Kaylee doesn't say Timothy. Like, I'm not the expert rip leader. But that looks like she says Timothy. And then speaking of Timmy, casual stroll in Beverly Hills in a black hoodie with the hood up, talking to paparazzi. When has he ever? It's giving Chris Jenner. Chris Jenner got on the phone and said, Timmy, I'm going to need you to get out there. I'm going to need you to take one for the team and shut this down. Then Selena gets on social media. She's like, I'm going to take a break for a while. It's a tale as old as time. You know, she updated her away message. BRB. She'll be back in a couple of days. But I loved it. All right, let's go into the deep dive. Every single week on my Instagram at Morgan P Talks, I open up the deep dive submissions. Whatever it is that you want to know more about, I will do the digging. And this week, our deep dive submission comes from Kaylee. Hey, Morgan. This is Kaylee from Las Vegas, Nevada. My deep dive submission is for a recap of part one of the Salt Lake City reunion. Do you have an opinion on whether or not Monica should come back next season? Your pod is my fave. Love you like a sis. Bye. Kaylee, thank you. Love you like a sis. The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, part one. I saw some people saying that it was a snooze fest. I didn't think it was a snooze fest. I think the issue with it was that um, the Monica stuff was the only thing that's interesting. And I think this is what happens when you get this big bombshell at the end of a season and you still have other things to talk about at the beginning of the season, like the stuff with Meredith and the stuff um, between Lisa and Whitney and the stuff between Heather and Whitney and all the other stuff. It's like, you don't want to sit there and make the other housewives feel absolutely irrelevant to the season and only talk to Monica, but like uh, the audience, that's all we want, Right. So that's why I think sometimes these three or four part reunions feel dragged out because they're rehashing things that happened in episode two and three. And it's like, we don't care. We just saw the craziest finale of all time. We only want to talk about that. But it also starts with them talking about Jen Shaw, which I feel like she is going to have a field day with that because, you know, she's Instagram storing up a storm in prison. Whoever is doing it for her being like, they can't keep my name out of their mouth. I didn't punch Heather. Like they need me. Uh, they have nothing without me, you know? And, and it's like the first five minutes of the reunion is about Jen. But I think it's important because it sets the scene for, for their headspace and where they were in dealing with one fraud in dealing with another one. I mean, in my opinion, you can't really compare going to federal prison to running a Finsta account, but I'm just saying they're like fed up with lies and being deceived. Um, they talk about the $60,000 ring that Lisa Barlow lost in the bathroom. And we learned that it had a little bit more sentimental value than we saw on the show. It was a present after Lisa gave birth because I, she had a hard time giving birth and didn't know if she would have another ch child. Did you? I'm sorry. Can you hear my husband losing his marbles? <laughs> you guys, he's screaming. And if you can't hear it, keep it in because this is, he's watching a soccer game right now. And I mean, he loses it every single time that he watches, but I think his team just scored. So this is marriage. Okay. Anyways, where was I? The sentimental ring. Um, She's talking about how she lost in the bathroom. It wasn't that it was $60,000. It was actually 58. Uh, and Monica says, 
that people were assuming that she stole the ring. Everybody thought that online anyways, right? I believe it was a Dumois blind um, that said Monica stole the $60,000 ring. And then Monica even says Lisa and Heather started that rumor. And I wanted them to come out and defend me. And it's like, bro, Monica, are you like, we should have done a wellness check then in there. How are you going to think after four years of running reality Von Teese, talking crap about all of these women? Yes, mostly Jen, but the other women were also targets. After all of that, you think that Lisa and Heather are going to make it their business to go on Instagram and be like, no, Monica did not steal it. To me, it's like giving her a taste of her own medicine. Like, you made up all these rumors and nastiness about us for four years, and you want us to shut this down? No, not happening. Um, so then she talks about her relationship with Jen Shaw. Monica does, how they were friends first, and then she started working for her and then became enemies, frenemies, right? And I think Heather read Monica like a book here when people were questioning the intention. Why would you do these things for Jen if she wasn't paying you and she was just your friend? You know, Jen can be your friend, but you're not picking up her groceries four times a week and making sure he, she makes her 12 o'clock meeting like without an ulterior motive. And Heather's like, you wanted to climb the ranks, maybe to be on the show. And it's like Monica was so convincing. And this is what like scares me about her. She was so convincing. And the fact that like, no, that wasn't it. I was just being a good friend. Are you serious? Is like how she did it. And Heather whips out the phone. She's like, I got the proof, receipts, timeline, right? We can all quote it now, like the back of our hand. And she plays the recording where she's like, Kim Kardashian started out as an assistant. And that's all we needed to hear. As soon as we heard Kim Kardashian, we knew exactly where they were going. And Heather's just like, yep, that's it. What did we say? And it's like, Monica is such a good liar that it's scary. It's scary. The email to casting from Monica was also juicy. I mean, even the way she recalls the email is in internet troll terminology. You know, she's like, your show sucks and your ratings suck. And if I don't come on the show, it's going to suck and it's going to get canceled. It sucks so bad, you know, and you're going to say this in front of Andy Cohen, who's like, did it, did it. But it was much more polite than that it was like, hi, exclamation, reaching out in regards to your casting call would love more info, exclamation. How can we move forward? You know, it's like, honestly, that was relatable. It looks like 99% of my corporate emails, you know, the exclamation mark, every other sentence, proper grammar. Uh, let me know if you have any questions. Thanks. Talk soon at the end, you know, but what you tell your friends, it's like, ugh. I told this person, if you email me one more time, I'm going to admit myself into an insane asylum because can you read per my previous email? You know, it's like, that's not what you said, Catherine. It's what you thought, but it's not what you said. So Monica, relatable in that moment. Monica. Today's sponsor is Factor Meals. Finally starting to get warmer. You want to spend your time outside and not in the kitchen. With Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Visit factormeals.com slash poptalks50 and use code poptalks50 
to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. You can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com slash PopTalks50 and use code PopTalks50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code PopTalks50 at Factormeals.com slash PopTalks50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Also revealed that she reached out to federal investigators about Jen Shaw. And I'm glad we got more about the affair with the brother-in-law. Because I feel like this has been skimmed over a lot, a lot. Looking back on it, there were a lot of red flags flying on the field when it comes to Monica Garcia, Monica Fowler. What was the last one? Darnell, Monica Darnell. Those are her three last names. So she said it was 10 years ago. She was excommunicated, but then she was rebaptized. She had to go through all of this emotional trauma. And this is what I love about Salt Lake City that no other franchise has. I think the religion element in Salt Lake City makes it so interesting because I don't know a lot about the Mormon faith, but the fact that you could be like excommunicated and you'd have to do all of these steps to, you know, get back acclimated in the church, you know, they have good stories. They have bad stories. I just feel like it adds a layer of the onion that no other Housewives franchise has. And I really like it. So this is kind of like what I was talking about before. We get into the relationships with the other women and it's like, I'm sorry, but we just don't care at this point. It's like Meredith and Lisa and Bathgate, Lisa and Meredith, whether they're over the hot mic moment, Whitney and Lisa, you know, they have a situation, Heather and Whitney, like the dynamics change so much in this group that I, I can never keep up. I, <laughs> I mean, I really do have a hard time following, you know, some of the arguments that they get into, which is great because I got a reveal last week that was calling me dumb and this is just going to add fuel to the fire. But I struggle sometimes. I'm like, what are they talking about? <laughs> like they're just yelling at each other. Um, but specifically with, I want to talk about the Lisa and the Whitney situation. Whitney dealt with a really difficult situation this year, the passing of one of her best friends, which anyone who has a heart has compassion and sympathy for. Um, But when it comes to the way that Lisa reacted at the party that we saw, I'm team Lisa on this one. And I kind of don't get Whitney this season. I feel like no one can do right around her. And it's like, I don't know if she's trying to create problems um, to get screen time, you know, whether it's like the cussing in her home or, you know, Lisa not doing enough at the party or Heather in the book that literally Heather read to her before it was printed. So to me, it just feels like she's trying to create situations, but I really like that we got more um, footage from the party where Lisa was like, Whitney, I kept asking you if you were okay, if you were okay, if you were okay. And you told me to stop. So what am I supposed to do? And like, I said this, that episode that I really did see both sides. I felt like Lisa, she didn't give her a hug from what I saw. Lisa should have gave her a hug first and said, I'm here. If you need me, like, let's, let's have a good night if that's what you want. Um, but on the other hand, I'm a lot like Lisa in the fact that I'm avoidant when it comes to 
um, serious emotional situations because I mean, how many times have you been through an emotional situation and you're on the brink of tears and you're trying to keep it together in public and somebody else knows about it and they come up and they hug you. And what do you do? Me, immediate, immediate bawling, immediate hysterical sobbing. And it's like in public, that's the last thing that you want. So I would think in the lines of Lisa, send condolences say, if you need anything, I'm here, but don't make too big of a deal about it because that's also going to be a trigger. So I feel like it's a fine line, but like I said, um, I just kind of don't get Whitney this season. So I'll leave it there. Let's move on to Angie K pillar in the Salt Lake city community, Greek mafia queen. She regrets forgiving Monica. I feel like everybody can look back on this season, every other castmate, and probably feel that same sentiment where they regret you know, maybe forgiving Monica. Um, specifically, Monica talks about repeating the rumor about Angie K's husband. And like I said, Monica was just showing her cards all season. The other women just didn't really pick it up. It's like, is Monica coming in and is she, you know, air quotes, being a good housewife or is she coming in and being an internet troll? You know, like even the way that she speaks, it's like when she is going tit for tat with like Heather. Sometimes even the things that come out, I'm like, that's just so internet trolly of you to say. Like you can tell it's just been programmed into her to speak and think like that. Um, and then even Meredith, you know, is talking about the rumors and the nastiness. And she's like, I didn't say it was about her marriage. I said it was about her husband. And it's like, can there be rumors about a husband that doesn't impact your marriage? No. Meredith. I want to say a highlight of this reunion part one for me was finding out what is a trampoline with eyes. Because when I heard Angie say that to Meredith the first time, I was like, what does that even mean? You look like a trampoline with eyes? What? <laughs> when they say that the Salt Lake City is a housewife's parody, that's the moment that they're talking about. You're trampoline with eyes. But then she was like, no, it's a compliment. It means that your skin is tight. And I was like, okay, okay. Here we are. So if anyone tells you that you're a trampoline with eyes, take it as a compliment. Um, but, you know, Meredith is right, I think, when it comes to um, bringing up things from years ago when Angie was talking about, you know, Meredith dabbling in extramaritals while she was separated from Seth. It's like it's a low blow. It's an easy thing to pull out. And it's just not necessary, in my opinion. So I was with Meredith on that one. Um, but Angie at the end. I love Angie K and I have loved her from the beginning. I was just afraid to say it because people were poo pooing on her. But in 2024, I told myself I was going to be unapologetic in my opinions and wait until we get the last one that I have about Rachel's podcast. Cause y'all, y'all might stop listening to the podcast after I tell you what I'm going to say, but I always liked Angie. I was just too afraid to say it, but she ate at the end when she says spending your kids money on a purse. I was like, okay, it's time to go. It's time to uh, preview part two because it's too much. So to answer your question, Kaylee, do I think Monica will come back next season? I do not think that she will come back next season. Um, did she make for a wonderful season? Yes. Did she carry the show on her back? Also, yes. Um, I just think that there is a fine line that bringing Monica back would cross. You know, at the end of the day, the Housewives franchise is supposed to be about 
women who are friends and their real lives, right? Um, Monica infiltrating the group while running a snark account doesn't fall under the umbrella of a, a group of friends, you know, living their authentic lives. It just doesn't, you know, it makes the show something different than what it is supposed to be. Everyone's talking about whether or not casting knew and whether or not production knew and whatever. It's like, I don't care, honestly, if they did or didn't know because it made for an amazing season. And like, I'm just, I'm just disappointed. I mean, in Monica, what is she going to do though? Because she, she was such a good housewife, but she blew it. She blew it. But what was she supposed to do? Just act like it never happened. She couldn't, she was busted. So there you have it. Part two next week. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but let's get into my. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My final thoughts. Hot take. I liked Rachel Goes Rogue. I liked the first podcast episode. Sorry. Want to put me in the witness protection program? I might need it. Do I need to change my name to Megan? Megan's Pop Talks? I don't know. I mean, now listen, I did have to listen to it on 1.5 times speed, which is what I recommend. You cannot like somebody's actions and their character at a specific time while still thinking the things that they say are interesting. Okay. Because. I, okay. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. The first 20 minutes, 20 minutes of it. I was like, Oh, here we go again. Right. Because it was pretty redundant. If you listen to Rachel on Bethany's podcast, it was pretty redundant. It was, you know, a lot of talking about her uh, state of mind, when she was filming season 10, um, her state of mind when she was making the decisions that she was making and whatever. Um, that's not why I liked it. I liked it because it gives a different perspective to the storylines that we see on Vanderpump Rules. We only see the edit. And we all know that the edit is not actually 100% reality. I mean, we know this. Um, but what I liked is that because everybody else on Vanderpump Rules is still on the show, they have to maintain that edit. They have to go along with that story. Rachel doesn't. And that makes it interesting to listen to because she's giving you more information than you see on TV. And obviously we have to wait until, you know, this next season comes out, but but an example of that is the storyline with Graham, the puppy. And Graham ending up back with James. So long story short, because it is long. Everything we heard about Graham being taken to Golden Doodle Rescue um, is still is still true, right? So while Rachel was in the mental health facility, and I'm like really, really paraphrasing here, um, Rachel's parents were watching Graham. Graham had aggressive tendencies, biting problems, bit Rachel's mom. Rachel's mom had to go to the ER. Um, Rachel had taken Graham to different trainers, tried different things. You know, this is according to her. And look, it's your choice if you want to believe her or not. I'm just recounting the story that she says. And she said sh her choice was to 
leave treatment and take care of the dog or stay in treatment and give it to the golden doodle rescue who promised it would be anonymous, who has trainers that work with aggressive dogs, who was helping the dog get rehomed to a family that could handle a dog that had biting uh, tendencies. She said every, every um, person that would rescue Graham ended up bringing him back. And so when they brought him back, scanned the microchip, you know, came out, Raquel Levis, they call Vanderpump Dogs. Vanderpump Dogs calls Lisa. Lisa adopts Graham. Now, according to Rachel, she was still in talks to come back to Vanderpump Rules while all of this was happening. She was still negotiating, had not made up her mind that she was not returning to the show. So she, in her mind of putting the puzzle pieces together, thinks that it could be possible that Lisa Vanderpump adopted Graham to kind of use it as leverage to get Rachel back on the show, specifically giving the dog back to James. So according to Rachel, what is going to be on the show is that in Lake Tahoe, and that's the trip, the cast trip that they're going to go on. And the producers wanted Rachel on that cast trip. That's when she was going to be reintroduced to the group in that setting. Lisa goes to Lake Tahoe or maybe before Lake Tahoe brings James Graham and says Graham was hours away from being euthanized, which according to Rachel is not true. She said it was at the golden golden doodle rescue. There was no, it was no, you know what shelter. James is very reactive. Can you imagine the type of reaction that James would have if Lisa tells him that on camera, which makes for good TV. On the flip side, when we all saw the picture of Lake Tahoe, and this was when Rachel decided she was not going to be on Vanderpump Rules. So it was done. There was no chance of her showing up at the Lake Tahoe trips. But she sees the picture of James and Graham in Lake Tahoe. And she calls Lisa. It says, how did Graham end up with James? I'm not comfortable with him being with James. In the episode, she talks about how how um, James would taunt Graham and kind of encourage the bad behavior, um, would let Graham bite his hand um, and just said, I don't, I don't, James is not the person that Graham needs to be with. That's Rachel's words. Okay. So then Lisa in response to that, doesn't really talk about Graham or James, but says, you know, oh, darling, come to sir and and sit down and talk to me and bring flowers and and tell me why you left so abruptly and tell your side of the story, right? So in Rachel's mind, it was it was apparent that Lisa was trying to get her to come back on the show. And like I said, you can believe her or you can't, but this is very reminiscent of how Stasi came back. Stasi left. And how did how did we see Stasi re-enter? She shows up to Sir, flowers in hand sits down with Lisa at the table and Lisa is like, why did you leave so abruptly? I mean, it's like verbatim what happened with Stassi. And I personally just don't think that that's a coincidence. So another thing is the story about who made the first move. Cause you know, Tom came out on two teas in a pod and he said that Rachel made the first move. According to Rachel, Tom made the first move. And, um, they were at the Abbey. They came home, locked out, went around back, got in the pool. In the pool, Tom turned her around and kissed her. Then he started kind of panicking, sitting on the side of the, of the pool steps, face in his hand. She's like, I should probably go. Ariana's sleeping upstairs. 
And he's like, no, no, let's, let's talk. Let's go to the car. And the car is where they hooked up. So I just like hearing another perspective of the story. And like I said, is she believable? I mean, that's up to you to decide. You know, I feel like there's two sides to every story and the truth is somewhere in the middle. But what I think is going to be interesting about her podcast moving forward is her her response to things that we're going to see. And, you know, she even says, like, there's stuff to tell you about the whole Schwartz thing, which I've told you guys from the beginning. The Schwartz and Raquel storyline was so fake. It was so fake. It was manufactured by maybe producers, but also by Sheena, who had voiced, voiced, I've heard her say this, before season 10 got picked up, everyone thought Vanderpump Rules was going to be canceled. Sheena, Sheena has said, I didn't know if I was going to have a job, okay? so. They know, they know the ingredients here that make a successful show. What makes a successful show? A little scandal here and there. Oh, Rachel, Raquel, go make out with Schwartz. And Sheena's really pushing it because she wants to stay on the show. She wants the show to still be successful. Successful at the expense of Katie and her feelings and kind of making mockery of her marriage and divorce. So, you know, there's just so many layers. And like I said, of course, we don't agree with what Rachel did. Do we even need to say it? Like, come on. We're fully, I, I guess I shouldn't say we, I should speak for myself. Fully team Ariana have been from the beginning. Ariana has always been my favorite on the show, but I just think that that's interesting to hear a different perspective. So you can boo me. You can leave me all the bad reviews you want, but that's how I feel. Okay. Good chat today, guys. And David hasn't been screaming. So I think it's safe to say that his team is up one to nothing. I'm going to go check on him, leave a review, a little five stars, a little boop, boop. Like I said, someone called me dumb before. So if you want to like flush that review out of my site, I would uh, really appreciate that. Make sure you're subscribed to extra pop and pop a batch. We're going to be talking more about the golden wedding. Leslie saying she was uncomfortable while she was at it. We're going to talk about Ariana suing Tom. There's just a lot of stuff that we didn't have time to get to. So make sure you're subscribed. The link is in the show notes below. If not, I'll see you next week. Love you like a sis. A Huda Media Production.